What is going on, North Florida Wrestling fans? We are so excited to have you back. Today on the show, we got one of the best young coaches in the area today. Um, this guy is hungry, and he's learning, and he is just, I think he's going to make a mark. Um, we know him very personally, so when we got started wrestling, it's North Bay Havens, Zane Turnip Seed. We're not going to let too much time pass. Let's just go ahead and get to the show, guys. Zane, what is up, my man? Me and my dad are so excited to have you on. Um, you know, we've known you for such a long time, um, and you've been doing so well this year. We just had so many people want to get uh, to, but, um, you know, how have you been doing? I'm good, man. I appreciate you guys having me on here. Uh, yeah, it's so funny because I was thinking about it earlier. I'm like, what do I, what do I call Coach Cone anymore? Because to me, you're always Coach Cone. <laughs> and my wrestlers will be like, hey, why are you calling that ref coach? And I'm like, well you know, a long, long time ago. <laughs> but yeah, man, I'm good. Yeah, it really is strange. You never really lose that um uh, that title, the way that you look at, at people. I know, you know, there's a couple people like over at Choctaw where I see Coach Charlie and, you know, I call him ref and, you know, some of his kids are like, what's going on? Um, but it's just how it is, man. It's how you grow. It's like the whole yes sir, no sir thing in the South. You can't really grow out of that. But go ahead and um, get us started with letting us know how you got started in wrestling. You know, obviously, my dad and I are very familiar with you, so we know how it is. But let some of the fans know um, how one of their favorite coaches in the area got their start. Yeah, so my parents were firm believers of you do a sport year-round. keeps you out of trouble. Uh, we were looking at what sport we wanted to do kind of in that winter part of the season and. You know, I was a boy born in Dothan, Alabama. My dad was from Iowa originally, and the WWE looked cool to me, man. Uh, I wanted to jump off of some ladders. I wanted to break through some tables. I always thought I was going to be as big as Goldberg. That didn't happen. Uh, but, yeah, you know, so I was like, I, I'd like to give wrestling a try. And, you know, my dad, he never told me he wrestled at the time uh, and that he was a state placer from Iowa. But uh, he's like, yeah, you know, in wrestling, they have to be the same uh, weight as you. And a lot of times it's grouped by age. And I was always younger than everyone. I was always smaller than everybody. And I was like, oh, if they have to be the same size as me, there's no way I can lose. <laughs> so little little elementary kid, me, uh, you know, we heard of this group called Black and Blue Wrestling uh, over there at Everett. And, you know, my mom, she would drive all the way from town out to the beach to get me, come all the way back to town, you know, for that practice. And, and I, if I recall right at the time, there weren't a lot of young kids at first. Uh, it was a lot of kind of high school guys like Jordan or, you know, older middle school guys like Jordan. And, uh, I just, I took a lot of pride in trying to keep up with them and, uh, just fell, fell in love with the sport immediately. Uh, and it, it was funny cause I was thinking the other day of one of the, you don't realize as a coach, what impacts kids sometimes. Cause I was at one of the practices and I remember just watching you teach technique and, you know, I'm used to getting thumped in the back of the head for not paying attention. <laughs> so I was like deaf staring during the technique. And I, and I remember you stopping to praise me uh, for paying attention so well. And if all of them could pay attention, then da -da -da. I'm sure it was a way to jab at some other kids too. But, you know, that positive praise can all the way through my wrestling career. I took a lot of pride in, in really paying attention and really absorbing the technique. <laughs> Man, I miss those practices. I'm not going to lie. Um, for a lot of y'all that don't know, uh, my dad and I, my dad, you know, got this the club started up so I can get some more mat time called the Black and Blue Club that Zane alluded to. Uh, and Zane was one of our founding members. Um, 
it was a good time. It was a really awesome stretch. You know, I think we had a lot of great people. Um, we got a lot of uh, kids introduced into the sport, um, especially for those Arnold kids. A lot of you beach kids made the made the drive over there quite a bit. <laughs> they were a lot of fun, dude. And, uh, you know, it's it was really a good, I think, example for when Surfside did kind of switch it over from black and blue to back and black wrestling club, uh, which, again, was kind of the only youth one in town. But, you know, I was going over there putting in the work, and my teammates saw me kind of start passing them. Uh, and they're like, what's this kid doing? And the next thing you know, two or three or four friends are coming. And, you know, I, I think coaches got to know that, too, when they're trying to start the club of – you're going to have that one kid that's always there and those two or three are sometimes there. And it's just that, that patience to build around that. But yeah, no, that was a, yep. Coach Cohn was my first ever wrestling coach and Jordan was kind of an assistant coach for me at one point too. <laughs> well, and so you and I both share a similarity of having got a chance to grow up through the um, Bay County middle school program that they had for the longest time there. Um, and, you know, it wasn't something crazy as to far as we would go, you know, all over the state to compete, but we'd stay in the county. And, you know, we'd wrestle the seven other teams, um, you know, with a, a, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, easy format, a um, couple duels into the turn uh, season tournament to find out who's county champ. Um, but, you know, how how important was that into your development? And, um, you know, how much of a, a hole does that leave um, in Bay County? I mean, man, at Surfside, we were pushing like 80-something kids <laughs> and cutting it down from there. And, you know, we go straight into those duels right after school. And I've never wrestled in a better crowd environment than when I was in middle school in Bay County Wrestling. You know, and that includes college and high school. I've never had the hype, the energy, the feeling like a king on campus as I did when uh, Moet over in town had gone on like an eight-year win streak. They hadn't lost a duel or something like that, and we were able to beat them, I want to say, my eighth grade year. And, man, that was that's one of the highlights of my wrestling career, funny enough. It was just such a – we were at Moet in school duel. The whole gym was packed, floors packed. Uh, and to take that away from them, man, it, it solidified a love for the sport. Uh, and I think it was also, it was, it was just enough of a taste that you learned how to behave at a tournament, how to take losses, how to take wins, uh, you know, some basic wrestling where later a high school coach had to kind of clean up. <laughs> okay. Head and arms and cow catchers might not be our go-to. Uh, but you know, the big thing is you hook them on the sport, uh, you get them used to that competition and you get them to love it without necessarily you know, some kids I, I've always felt bad for because you watch them just be youth national champ over and over, and then you never see them compete in high school. Yeah, man, I think that's such an incredible point that you make that it, that it gave um, kids a taste that might have, you know, not otherwise gotten a chance to get into wrestling. Um, and you going back to what you were saying about not being the biggest dude in the, um, you know, in the on campus um but wrestling gave you that ability and at that age you know from six to eight in the middle school year that's the perfect time to to get kids introduced into wrestling because there's a lot of people that hit a growth spurt and there's a lot of people that don't um so that gives that, that supplies so much opportunity for kids um that might not have found success in sports that require a little bit more i don't want to say you know, physical predisposition, but sometimes that's the thing, you know, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't going to be, um, you know, an NBA, uh, you know, basketball player, or maybe not with this attitude, but you know what I'm saying? But, you know, wrestling gave me that first opportunity in Bay County middle school wrestling gave me that first opportunity to participate in a sport and become a champion to, to get me into that mind 
mindset of I can be a champion. I can work hard and achieve things and stay in the top of the podium among my peers. Um, you know, I know, you know, you, I know you know exactly what that feels like. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, yeah, absolutely. The height and weight. I, I don't think I broke five foot in middle school and I know I didn't break 90 pounds. <laughs> and how many, how many sports can you have those measurements at that age and, and be a champ and be the guy and be, you know, all that and see your hard work really pay off where, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I coached middle school football before too. And I had linemen that were six two over 250 in middle school. I mean, you just get those random kids and, it, and how do you, how do you compete with that? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I dropped out when you were talking about the, um, you know, our club that we had, and and Zane, Zane was a charter member, and his parents were very supportive, and God, man, I I loved your mom's enthusiasm and her, uh, um, just, I don't know, her sacrifice and commitment to you. I was always touched by that, and uh, we talked about your dad a little bit off air, and he actually came up to me at the Mulligan, and and. Uh, gave me a big old hug and we talked for a few minutes and um, I know he's real proud of you Zane and and um, but um, talk a little bit about competitive career um, um, if you would touch on that and then also talk about how you you know where the coaching bug bit you and your transition from competing to coaching yeah so uh, you know freshman year uh, I start my career going 0 and 2, <laughs> first tournament, uh, and then you know from there I, I never went 0 and 2 again at a tournament other than the state tournament. Uh, I had a pretty good year, went 33 and 7. I couldn't beat the kid at my weight. Uh, he was a senior, former qualifier. Couldn't beat the kid above that. Uh, was another qualifier, and then back then he could go two weights up. So I'm weighing 115 wrestling. What was it? 130, Jordan. <laughs> And so, you know, I, I go to regionals and I'm wrestling good and I'm looking at the brackets and I'm an arrogant, confident freshman. I'm like, I'm getting the state. You know, it's what I do. I place at tournaments. And, uh, you know, I'm starting to look at the brackets a little closer and I'm looking at the Concy semis and I'm like, I have the loser of Swallows and Jordan Cone <laughs> in order to qualify for state. So Jordan drops down, man. And and, you know, it was a tough thing, but I remember talking with my parents and just realizing, you know, it was kind of a cool moment, though, for somebody that was just so uh, crucial to the beginning of my career and, and wrestling and how I wrestled and what I believed in wrestling to be, uh, to kind of be, if I was going to get knocked out my freshman year from going to state, you know, it being you is not a bad way to go. <laughs> Man, if it makes you feel any better, I wasn't looking forward to that match at all. Um, I was just ready to get, over, get done that, with that regional tournament, well, but you did good, man. You did really good. Look, I knew I was going to shoot first. That was my goal. <laughs> and I was going to do my best to not get pinned. Those were those were two things I really wanted to do. Uh, no, so sophomore year, I come in, uh, you know, big difference freshman year to sophomore year. I just, I, I'd lost, out of those seven losses, I think four of them were probably just dudes stronger than me. I mean, to be honest, they were just bigger dudes, stronger. I was a little 14-year-old freshman and I was real determined that I wasn't going to lose another match to strength. So weight room made a big difference there. Uh, was able to qualify for state, uh, get down to the state tournament, kind of choke on the venue a little bit. <laughs> I know you've heard that story before. And, you know, just it was a little overwhelmed. I think I could have won that first match, and I didn't. 
Uh, second match was a, uh, where I learned that a standing reversal existed. <laughs> uh, and ended up losing that one by one. And I was baffled, dude. I thought I was clear. I was like, yeah, whatever, he's behind me, but it doesn't matter. Um, but learn what a standing reversal was. And then the lesson from that season really was just the importance of, you know, not just wrestling in the off season, but wrestling big in the off season. You know, I was going to Tallahassee, I was going to Pensacola, but I wasn't going to Orlando. I wasn't going to South Carolina. I wasn't going to the Myrtle Beach Nationals. You know, those things that honestly make state look small. <laughs> I wasn't doing those things. And, you know, so now the lesson was, all right, I've gotten my strength. Now I've learned the importance of not letting the venue scare you, not letting the stage be too big uh, and keeping it just as another match. Um, so junior year come in, I was, I think, match away from placing. Uh, just again, another close one, close call with the ref. Uh, and, you know, it just yet another life lesson of you can't leave it in the ref's hands and, and you got to control the things you can control and not let it get you too worked up. Because uh, I definitely got in my head in the middle of that match of just, oh, it's this call, it's that call. And instead of locking in on just getting that last takedown, <laughs> I was too flustered. So, you know, each year I really felt came with a lesson. And then uh, senior year, I was riding real high, wrestling real well. Um, get to the finals at regionals, I get, in my opinion, illegally slammed <laughs> by a team I used to have a lot of contempt for, but have since come to respect. Um, and I ended up cracking two of my ribs. Go to the doctor, tells me, you know, it's going to hurt like hell, but you could wrestle if you really wanted to. It was a pain tolerance kind of thing. And I was like, well, I'm wrestling at state. And so I get down there and I just drop that first match. Kid rides a lot of tight waist. <laughs> it was, it was a lot. Of, it was just draining me. And, uh, and you got to march back, man. And I, I know you've known a lot of dudes that have lost that first one and had to climb back to place. It's a long, grueling thing, especially as a senior. It's your last chance to do anything. And you have to win, and you have to win, and every match is elimination, you know, and every kid wants it. See, man, I actually disagree. Um, you know, especially being a senior, there's a lot of kids that they give up, but they phone it in. Um, you know, the chance of being a state champion is gone, and it's hard to rebound, especially from that first round. You know, it's hard to wrestle back, especially in a hard weight class. So, um, you know, I think that's just a mindset that you had developed in you, um, probably through such amazing parents and mentors. Um, but you know, that's something that I've noticed about the North Bay Haven team that you coach is that your guys are great wrestleback, you know, they're great in the wrestlebacks. Um, you know, if they lose, they don't seem to let it affect them too much. They just continue on and, you know, they take the best that they can. So, I mean, that, that to me, that's a big mark of a, a coach that has that instilled in him in the first place. So, you know, don't sell yourself short on that. I appreciate that, man. And, and honestly, it wasn't just me. I, I was bawling my eyes out. <laughs> they took me in that trainer's room. I was balling, you know, that chance of ever being a state champ's gone. I uh, didn't do it the previous years and, and lose that first match as a senior. And I just, you know, I knew I could beat the kid that ended up winning and all this stuff. And I remember, you know, Skip coming back there. And my mom, honestly, was the one that looked at me and said, stop crying. <laughs> and she said, she's the, she's the hard one. She's like, you can cry later. You got more matches to win. And you're going to regret it more if you just give up at this point. And I was like. You know, she's right. You know, I wanted to be Skip's uh, first state champ at Arnold and all this stuff, but it was in the rear view mirror and I could worry about it later. Uh, and, you know, I get to that match in order to place and I wrestled Cliff Barker. Dude had to be five, nothing, 
all of 145, most yoked up little dude. Uh, and we had a ridiculous match and it gets sent into overtime and I'm doped up on every Tylenol you could have given me at that point. <laughs> My head's fuzzy, all this stuff. And I just go to that move that I had hit a hundred thousand times at practice in fireman's. I, I don't remember hitting it. I don't remember the world spun for me and I couldn't even tell which way was up. All I saw was I looked in the corner and Skip was jumping up and down. And I'm like, I think I won. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was able to place and that was a really special moment. And, you know, I, even now I really look back on it and I, I would have loved to have been a state champ, but I try to teach the kids, especially when I get young kids with high expectations that have wrestled a long time. Like, look, I want you to be a state champ, but it's really not the end all be all of life. Uh, it, how was your bracket that day? Were you healthy? You know, did you have a certain call break a certain way? It's, it's so, there's so many factors like, you know, uh, you not winning the region <laughs> put you in a different position. Yeah. I mean, but that's what I tell my kids too. I mean, I was definitely lucky enough to win a state championship and I'm very um, happy about that. But, you know, had I been in two way, I would have had to deal with, you know, the number one or number two ranked wrestler in the nation, depending on what poll you're looking at, Eric Gahalas. Um, you know, there's no doubt in my mind, if you would, first of all, I think I would have won the state championship that weekend anyway, but second, you know, if I had been in two way and I would have got to the finals against him, I would have wrestled to beat him. You know, that's the, the, the way that I operate. But, you know, if I would have came up second to him, you know, I wouldn't use that to, you know, judge my skills. I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm just a, a runner up wrestler. You know, I would still be like, I'm a championship wrestler, right? It would just be, you know, it wouldn't have been my weekend. Or I would have had, like you said, a tough bracket or, you know, something that a weight class that everybody else runs away from. You know, you just got to be able to have that belief in yourself no matter what. Which, speaking of, I did not want to like your team at Arnold, but you guys were so arrogant. Um, that it was just impossible not to like you guys. You guys, um, you just your antics everywhere, the the socks and everything. You know, I hated it until I loved it. You were like that heel team that just like had that heat so much that everybody just started black. Like, All right, y'all are kind of cool, and we started rooting for them. Uh, them Beach Boys. Um, tell us a little bit about that. So we were beach kids, right? I mean, we were straight up like I would keep a surfboard in the back of my car and take front beach every morning and look at the surf because we don't get a lot of good surf in the Gulf. And I might be late to first period if there were some waves. I mean, you're talking, it, there was a big chip on our shoulder from Arnold had maybe four or five kids consistently before my group kind of came through, that black and blue group came through. And uh, yeah, man, I, we, we reflected our coach in a lot of ways with the arrogance. We had some shirts that said, we're not arrogant, just better than you. Uh, he was real proud of those. Um, but it, we just tried to keep it fun. Uh, and it was just a good, it was a good group of, we might not hang out outside of the sport, but man, we just scrapped for each other. Uh, and, and we really took a lot of pride in trying to take down the the big names. You know what I mean? Arnold was just a little nobody and, and we wanted to beat the Swannies and we wanted to beat the Clays and we wanted you to be embarrassed that you got beat by us. Cause we're wearing pink socks and <laughs> dancing in the middle of the lobby, you know? Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a fun group, but, um, to follow up on, on how that led to coaching, honestly, was my two best friends were juniors. Uh, and Skip was kind of going to try to step away from the sport. And I really wanted to make sure that their senior year was as good as it could be. I was going to finish up at the community college anyway. Uh, and so I just slid into being a super senior. Um, and next thing you know, man, I, I all those years of showing the moves at practice and 
helping Skip with the lineup for duels. I, I just got the bug for, you, you know how it is when, you, when you're coaching a kid and you see that light come on. You, you've been showing them the same thing, showing them the same thing, and then they do it in the match and they're like, hey, coach, that works. And you're like, well, yeah, I know. That's why I've been telling you. But <laughs> it's, that, it's that joy in seeing others succeed uh, and helping them reach something that they might not have you know, with your impact, but I, I went straight into doing that. And then I was an assistant anytime I was home from college for about six years, uh, did a year wrestling at ACF and then just shattered my shoulder and kind of focused on kind of the next generation and wanting kids to be better and keep building up what we had started at Arnold. You know, we'd laid a foundation of kids that could get the state, but we just weren't winning. You know, I brought home a medal and Nick Moore brought home some medals but other than that, we just, we got to the show and that was it. And we wanted to kind of, I wanted to not watch it drop off and keep that kind of trajectory that we had built. But yeah, that's, that's really how I got suckered into it. <laughs> so yeah, 2011, so like right after I graduate until about 2016, when I was still going through college, I took my time. <laughs> uh anytime I was home for winter break, so a month I would come and practice. All summer I would come and practice. Uh and kind of help like that and travel with the kids. And if they were anywhere near Orlando, I'd come out and watch. So it was kind of unofficial for a long time. Um then when I started teaching, Skip did a year with me uh to kind of try to transition into my control. And I ended up doing two years as the head coach at Arnold. Uh, you know, Hurricane came through and a bunch of things changed at the school and there was some politics there, but so I hopped over to South Walton, uh, worked under Travis Laxon for a season, uh, great friend and rival <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, and then I've hopped over to North Bay and this is now my third year here. So it's funny cause when I got to South Walton, Travis was in the middle of a rebuild. When I took over Arnold, we kind of had a rebuild because we'd, we'd lost all the middle school kids. That was Drew Sandamont was the last kind of uh, back and black kid. And after that, everybody was fresh out of starting in high school, which I, I think is so rare. You get a kid who starts wrestling in high school and they're going to be able to be a champion. If they can be a placer, that's, a I think, a phenomenal coaching job a lot of times. Um, so we were kind of rebuilding there. So it's it's I joke that. I just hop around and start a rebuild and then <laughs> hop out. But I've been real happy with North Bay. Uh, uh, this third year has been really good and I'm hoping I'm here for a long, long time. Well, I definitely think you're building something special over there at North Bay Haven. Um, you know, I think that you're well on your way to setting a lot of high marks that people are going to be trying to go for years. Cause I mean, you, you just started in this and, you're already showing a very good passion for someone well beyond your years, and you, you seem to utilize all the resources uh, close to you to make yourself better for um, for your kids in your community. Um, so one thing I really do want to get into is um, I noticed a uh, question or two that you posed on Facebook, and I'm interested to get your uh, uh, extended take on. So the first one is the push-out rule. Um, I'm a big fan of it. I think it would speed up folk style wrestling a lot. Um, I'm not a big fan of playing the edge. I have a strategy to play the edge if I have to, but that's just playing the rules. But um, where did that thought to kind of uh, provoke that question, and where do you stand on the on the push out rule? Um, go ahead, Zane. You know, again, uh, wrestling at UCF I, it was such a great experience. I loved kind of seeing the college side, and you know. Uh, the different rules and what I liked and didn't like, but you know, it, we, we go to so many tournaments where 
and Coach Cohen as as a official. We go to so many tournaments where if I take a kid to the edge of the mat and shoot him out, sometimes the kid who got shot out gets hit stalling. But other times the argument is you weren't really trying to score. You just wanted to drive him out. So sometimes me as the guy who's either, you know, driving out gets called. And I've seen it both ways so frequently that at this point I'm like, I'd rather just have a push out rule so that it's not a debate and it's not a judgment of, oh, well, I don't feel like he was working. Well, you know, you got to work. You you have the onus of working in on a push out rule. I think it would speed up tournaments, which is a big barrier to entry to wrestling is those 12 hour days because people would fight to stay in bounds more uh, and it would keep that clock from stopping a bunch. And I, I think it would incentivize uh, offensive wrestling a little bit more. You know, I as an official, and Jordan and I have talked about this a lot, about um, the push-out rule and also integrating some of the other international rules into a folk style. And as an official, no, none of us want to make a stall call because it's, you know, someone's going to agree, someone's not going to agree. And, you know, as the official, you try to get a feel for what's happening within the match. You know, it's not so much, okay, who shot who out or who went to the edge, you know. And, again, it's a judgment call, and, and like I said, no official likes to make that call. So I'm a big fan of that, of the, the push-out rule being implemented as well. Yeah, I think you both make incredible points on that, um, you know, especially, you know, so it cuts down on the stalling. Um, it limits the amount of area that you can wrestle um, because, you know, very many, a lot of people that will play the edge. Um, and like I said, it's just part of the game. But, you know, just as you were alluding to there, Zane, about how, how much more exciting is it for both the wrestlers in the in the circle and then the fans out there? We talk about fan engagement and like how much more exciting is it to watch someone try to fight to stay in bounds as opposed to someone trying to like, you know, squirt out, you know, at, to a wrestler watching the, the action. It's both probably exciting. But if we're trying to push the push, the excitement factor, um, I think that's going to be something that really will uh, be eye catching, so to speak. Um, so the other thing that I was really wanting to um, build off of, of the uh, the post that you put out there, Zane, is um, I noticed you were trying to allude to um, kind of like a BJJ or a belt system or something like that for wrestling, which I completely agree. I was having a conversation with um, some of our coaches the other day, and I'm like, you know, there has to be some kind of way for us to be able to measure that because it's very you know different, like you said, um, from from one to another. Um, so it would be cool to have something like that and it feel like it would help increase the sport not only, not only with um, the youth one, but I think it will help promote um, adults to get into it, um, you know, for those that maybe have uh, left it or for those that have never picked it up, saw it in high school, never did it, and, and it gives them a chance to try that. Um, you know, let, let me, let, what are your thoughts on it? You know, I, I've always wanted wrestling more associated as a martial art anyway. I think that those types of sports and things get a different level of reverence sometimes. And I don't see where wrestling's any different as far as the, the concepts and everything else. There's just not that structure. Uh, and so for me personally, I've always wanted to, with my youth program, do something where, you know, if you want to get past this white belt, you need to be able to do these moves. And I want to be able to, I think that would help incentivize the basics in the youth. Because I think sometimes I go to these middle school tournaments and a kid hits a splatal. Uh, and he's crushing all the little kids because they've not gone over a splatal. And, you know, it's cute and all. Congrats, your kid's winning when he's six, hitting a splatal. But long-term, is that a consistent move that you're going to be able to go to? 
you know, and, and I like the idea of, at least for my kids having, look, you know, you can only practice and drill this set of moves until you've cleared them past white and really incentivize that, the importance of the basics uh, and, and have a clear goal. Cause I think, especially if you're a backup on a program or, you know, you're not getting to travel a whole lot. I think those little goals of moving up the belt of mat of having mastery in a move or mastery in a move set. Uh, I think it makes the road to being great more clear for kids as well. Cause sometimes it just feels like you're plugging in you're plugging in and you have no idea if you're actually getting anywhere. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I've always toyed with the idea, but I think it would be a great way for youth. And like you said, even after the youth level of, you know, all right, I've graduated high school, but I want to continue this going and, and kind of work to the system and, and areas where they have bigger numbers and turnouts for tournaments. I think you could even start going, I mean, I, I don't think it'd ever be a systematic approach like this, but it would be cool if you had a more beginners group, intermediate group, and an advanced group. Yeah, that's what I'm really starting to like about this, um, the Warzone concept. I think that it's going to open um, a lot of those doors, kind of like what we're, we're talking about um, with the belt system. I think, you know, kind of make it more similar to a chess rating system. So, you know, you don't have that kid that can hit splatles wrestling a bunch of six-year-olds that have never wrestled before. You know, he might have to wrestle, um, you know, an, an eight-year-old that's got a couple pounds on him. Um, or, you know, it just makes it a little bit more even, and it helps, it helps uh, eliminate a lot of those uh, competition um um curbs that you know exist at a lot of places so and i do think it's also going to help out with the growth of the sport as well as far as um post uh high school because i think you're going to see a lot of um you know high school guys or, um, or post high school guys and college guys that are done with the sport but they still have the rating so they're like well i'm just going to you know jump in um you know i know that there is a um a couple war zones coming up in march and april um there's going to be some you know guys that have you know, they're done with their senior season. You know, I'm going to be there playing about 150, 160 pounds. So, you know, I have no problem getting in there, rolling around, scrapping with some 18-year-olds. So, you know, it didn't, that brings me to a point. It is ridiculous that uh, folk star wrestling doesn't have a pro league. Um, you know, I, I can't believe that it's, you know, 2023 and we don't have it. Flow Wrestling has everything they need to put the system in place. Um, you know, they do it already with college. They already do it with, like, jiu-jitsu and all that. Man, just make a weight class make some belts and then get these college wrestlers that are coming right out and you know give them a chance to promote themselves or you know something you know it, it can't be that hard you know that it's time to re try the real pro wrestling experiment but you know just make it folk style just let it happen you know if you want to go and win a world medal um in international that's there but you know let's make something a little bit post college for um for folk star wrestling you know because right now the only professionals are the professional wrestlers in the WWE sense, and you know whether we like it or not, they've earned a chance to call themselves professional wrestlers because they, you know, why they will go out and they will perform for fifty dollars in front of like nobody, you know, to promote what they're doing. You know, if if folk style wrestlers decided to do that, we would have a pro folk style league tomorrow. Well, and I like that you even bring up jiu-jitsu because that reminds me of just, you know, there's plenty of jiu-jitsu tournaments where if you get first, here's your cash reward, you know, so it would not be a hard thing of, okay, if everybody pays $30 to enter, you take a certain percentage of the entry fee and that's the first place pool. This is the second place, you know, for each weight or whatever. But yeah, it's, a, it's definitely something because I, I've always found, and I know you know this too. I'm preaching to the choir for whoever's listening to this. Anybody that you get to put a foot on a mat and try it for a week or two, anybody you get to sit in a gym and watch a duel, 
I think duels are easier to watch as a spectator, but anybody sit down and, and they, and help them understand the sport. They almost always love it. I've rarely ever had somebody be like, eh, I understand it, but I still don't like it. <laughs> it's getting past that barrier of, I've never known somebody who's told me, oh, I regret wrestling. I wish I'd never wrestled. I don't think I've ever heard that. <laughs> I wanted to uh, circle back around to Zane's coaching. You know, he mentioned so many people, and I was even aware of some of the um, places and positions he'd been. So this is a pretty informative um, commentary for me as well. But, you know, now that you've been, um, you know, been a coach for several years now, looking back, what are um, what are some of your influences as far as, you know, people that maybe you model yourself after? And, and um, you also have already mentioned a, a couple of your personal philosophies as far as coaching goes. But um, speak to that a little bit to, um, to, you know, to some athlete out there that may someday uh, enter the coaching realm as well. Um, just touch on a few of your influences and your philosophies and, and um, you know, what you believe is important to the profession of coaching. Right. And, you know, it really started when I was wrestling kind of the influences because uh, my dad was always big about it didn't matter if a coach was good or if their program was good or not. Somebody might have something to tell you, you know. This coach over here, his kids may never win, but he might tell you something about a half that you really like and it works for you. And so always kind of have that open mindset. But, you know, I learned from Jeff Skipper. Uh, I think that's where I get a lot of my fire <laughs> and kind of some of my, my over intensity, especially when it comes to interacting with officials. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think mentality, a lot of it comes from Skipper. Um, uh how to be a role model as a teacher and a coach, I definitely get from him. Um, working with Travis just helped my technique and the way that I instructed go to another level as well. Uh, working with uh, even wrestling for JD Robbins, you know, him helping out at UCF and he had that successful program down there. Was it Oviedo or Osceola? I can't remember, but um, you know, just working with him and, and seeing a dude that would do film study in a way I'd never seen done. You know, you would sit there. It was funny because he would skip past anything I did really well. And you're sitting there like, man, coach, like I wanted you to watch that double and praise me. He's like, why? You already know how to do it. He's like, the focus is this part right here where your hand was, it, sh it should have been another inch or two lower on the knee instead of up here. And kind of finding that perfection when it comes from helping good wrestlers go to great of never being satisfied with flawed, even if it worked in a match, even if it, you know, it's not going to work when you wrestle this next guy at the top level. But, you know, it, it's taken me a long time. And in high school, I think sometimes I was too conservative as a wrestler. And in college, I remember winning a match by like six. Uh, and my coach was screaming at me. <laughs> and I came off the mat and I was so confused. I'm like, what? I was like, he's like, you sat there on bottom the whole third period. I'm like, well, yeah, I was up by six. Da, da, da. And he just was not having it. He's like, you could have won by 10. And then now that kid doesn't think he has a chance against you. And now the next time you run into him at a different tournament, <laughs> you know, and he just kind of went down that rabbit hole of, of don't ever be satisfied with just hanging on. Uh, and, and sometimes it stinks because, you know, you get to that state tournament and the smart thing is I'm up 2-0 and I'm on bottom and this guy's cranking on me, but I know he's not going to turn me. You know, it might be the smart thing to sit there, but I've really 
become a passionate supporter of the idea of, of if we want the sport to keep growing and we want fans to like it and we want, uh, you know, to be productive, it's got to be offensive. You got to be wanting to score all the time. You got to want to be the one attacking. Uh, I'm a firm believer you're, you're always going to be faster acting than reacting. Um, and so I've, I've kind of gotten in that mindset of I just want the kids to go out there and wrestle and have fun with it and attack and and not be afraid of making mistakes because I think that's what stifles a lot of growth is I remember being a younger wrestler and you know I, I I'm like oh I can't get taken down at practice by this kid you know but why not <laughs> you know the competitiveness is good but the the wrestling not to lose instead of wrestling the wins terrible so yeah it's it's been a lot of melting pot with different guys and I want to give a shout out too and I'm, I'm going but uh guys like coach Pafford at Wakulla uh, Coach Reap at Clay, uh, PJ Corbett at Fleming Island. I've called those dudes on the phone when I first started getting into head coaching and said, "What? how do you guys run your practice? Uh, what do you think about doing this at practice? What do you think about scheduling? Uh, and credit to all of those dudes, they all just talked to me. They told me exactly how they ran their practice <laughs> all the way down to very fine details. And I think I was just really, I just took a shot. You know, I thought worst they can tell me is, you know, screw off. I'm not telling you how we do things, you know, but. uh, I mean, I think that just goes to show you how um, easy it is to really be successful and, um, you know, to continue to improve. Um, It's sometimes as simple as just ask. Um, You know, there's a lot of kids that I asked how they did a move. Um, Obviously, after they wrestled me um i didn't feel like they'd probably give me that information beforehand but afterwards i'd be like hey man how'd you do that that was really cool and you know every time they would you know show me so i mean it's just as that simple you got to get over that that ego or that um apprehension to ask and just you know like you said pick up the phone and ask oh yeah well and i and i love our community too because guys like clay allen at florida high you know he watched me come up through high school and so when he when he sees me being a bonehead (laughs) or he sees me you know doing something where I'm I'm arguing a call that doesn't actually matter in the big scheme. And then maybe you're building some ill will with the official later in the day, (laughs) you know, little things like that. Those guys have come in and been like, Hey, Zane, 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 come here. Like, and, and I really do think I'm just kind of a product of this community of guys that have been so committed to the same teams for so long. And they've been so willing to work with me and talk to me. Uh, I just, I really feel blessed with the, the North Florida community is a great group of coaches, dude. Yeah, man, I agree. Um, you know, it's always been really good to both my dad and I. Um, and a lot of people thank us for doing the show. But, you know, r- the real thanks goes to those guys like yourself, um, Jordy Falk, the Deatons over at Bay, um, you know, really um, putting in the work. And then, like I said, yourself, too. Um, I know that you um, are partnering up with uh, Wesley over at Black Sheep. And I love that. You know, I love, you know, marring the, uh, marrying the, the jiu-jitsu and the wrestling and creating this you know, different situations or different type of wrestlers that are very frustrating to wrestle against. You know, it, it adds another wrinkle to the game plan and it shows that you're not afraid to evolve, you know? I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. It, uh, and, you know, I like that you bring up other styles because it's, it's, it's still grappling, right? And I think especially if you're struggling with kids who are, are having a hard time with year-round wrestling, you know, maybe there's a little bit of burnout fatigue there. Man, if they if they're willing to do jujitsu and that to them is a mental change and it is something different, go for it, man. <laughs> it's it's gonna do nothing but give you benefits in the long run. 
Yeah, I'm a big uh, believer in taking breaks. Um, you know, not obviously big, long breaks because that's how you don't improve. But, you know, there's times that you need some time off. Um, and then if you're you're going to do something else, like, hey, we got Greco practice. And you, you're like, oh, well, I'm going to go ju- do, do judo. And I'll be like, all right, you know, that's fine. That's the same thing. All right, man, go have fun. Because, you know, even though you're off, your mind's going to be working. Um, and, you know, getting a chance to get away from it, it gives your mind some chance to play with it uh, more than you think. So, you know, I'm a big encourager if you feel like you're getting burnt out. You can take, take, take a week off, you know, do something else or take the season off as long as you're keeping your body moving and working and training. Um, you know, you don't need to be grinding, you know, 24-7. That's how you, you do more harm with the good. So curious, have you found out what kind of coach you are in the corner? Um, you know, I always thought that I was going to be like the calm one, but, you know, I end up kind of getting a little bit too invested. I'm a lot better about it now. Um, a lot of times I kind of sit back and just, you know, let them wrestle and then try to just, you know, coach them when I get their attention. But it's hard. What, what kind of guy are you? So <laughs> uh, it's funny because I go by Coach T with my kids. I just go by the letter. It was Coach G over at Niceville. Well, this is why none of the newspapers can get your name right. You tell them Coach T, and then they, that's why do you think they call you Coach 10-speed? <laughs> I'm just telling you, I remember thinking Coach G was one of the coolest dudes back then. Uh, I love that he went by one letter. Uh, I love that he just sat in that corner so composed. and like I, I always thought that was cool, and then I got into coaching and realized I'm the exact opposite. Uh you know, when I was a young, young dude, it was it was very profane and loud and got myself in trouble a lot. Uh, and I've had to kind of rehab from there. <laughs> but I, it's funny because sometimes I'll sit there and I'll be like, I'll look at my assistant and I'll be, you know, I'm not going to talk much in this match. I'm just going to let him roll. Cool. Uh, the, and next thing I know, I'm screaming throughout the whole thing. But, you know, I, it's hard not to when you think you can give them a chance or you're seeing something they might not be able to see. But what I have learned is as they as they get older and better, you do get to back off because they're going to react slower to what you're saying than acting on their own. So it's finding that level of trust. But yeah, man, I, I'm real big about keeping the energy up, keeping their mind focused on it. I like them to know kind of what the points are at uh, so they can be aware of what they're doing. You know, I, uh, it, it, yeah, it's a lot of noise. <laughs> it's a lot of passion. I mean, it is a lot of passion. I mean, they're your kids, and you, you spend a lot of time coaching them, and you spend a lot of time investing into them. So, I mean, you just get – it's it's hard, man, I know. Uh, I said I'm trying to be the one that's just a lot more quiet and let them wrestle, but, you know, when they get to those close matches, then, you know, that passion that kind of part of me comes out, it, it's just it's just how it is, man. You know, how, you know, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it, and you're right, and I like to let them breathe. And one thing I've actually been doing more this year that – I hadn't done in the past was my 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 instinct is to grab a kid right after the match and start talking about it and say this is and I try to keep it short but you know I started realizing that some of them were just glossed over you know and it wasn't getting through and then the same mistake was happening again later so this year I've been if I was giving any advice to like a younger coach not that I'm old but <laughs> I have been coaching for a second now uh it's just I really like this year of I've been saying hey come find me when you're ready to talk, you know, and, and giving that kid that opportunity. Some of them want to still talk right then. Uh, and that's fine. But I give them the option of, look, I'm gonna walk away. Uh, you know, good job, whatever, but come find me whenever you're ready to listen and hear what you need to improve upon, you know, and I've had a lot more success with kids taking it in like that. And, 
uh, and just letting them feel what they got to feel. You know, it's okay to be pissed off after a match. <laughs> it's okay to be whatever, you know, as long as we're, we're trying to keep that composure and not, you know, and carry ourselves a certain way and show the respect of the sport, but I, they need to feel what they need to feel for a bit. And then, all right, boom, and move on to the next thing. Yeah, I mean, that just shows you um, that you're you're constantly improving on a coach. Um, you're trying to look at it different ways and, you know, realizing that all kids are different. Um, some kids, you know, take wins and losses differently. Some people take advice and um, criticism in different ways. Um, so you're constantly having to play to that, trying to figure out what works for them. So, you know, I think you should be incredibly proud. I know my dad and I are incredibly proud of, you know, what you accomplished both as a wrestler and what you're working toward as a, as a coach, you know, we, we love seeing, seeing you at the tournaments and seeing how you progress and how much impact you're making on these kids, um, a lot on these kids' lives and on Bay County wrestling. And we look forward to seeing you, um, reach and achieve such, such high things. Um, you know, we're very, very proud of you over here. And it's always been a pleasure for us to, um, see you start wrestling in the black and blue club and see you grow up as the uh great coach of north bay haven i appreciate it man and, and right back at you you know things you're doing as a parent things you're doing now back into the wrestling scene and and even the exposure you guys are doing with the show it's awesome well, man, we're just trying to get um, exposure to, like you were talking about, the stories around the people that, you know, have been so big to us. But, you know, if you, speaking of people that have been so big to us, it's my dad can't do it. I'm going to go and ask, who is man. your favorite official saying turnip seed? Let's hear it. You know, I would have to say it's got to be Coach John Cohn. <laughs> man, I give him hell for it, but he is a pretty good official, you know. He tries to make things simple, tries to make it a conversation, tries to make it easy for everybody to um just to get out there and, you know, watch their kids wrestle and tries to get out of the match as much as possible. So I'll give my dad that. Yeah, exactly right. Well yeah, and he, and anyway, and he lets you talk to him. That's always one of my biggest things with officials is if I can come up and actually have a real conversation with you about what's happening and not feel like I'm worried about stepping on toes or gonna get hit for coach misconduct for saying, I don't know, man. <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, like you were saying, though, I mean, it's such a tight-knit community. It's not like we're not going to see each other next week or the next season, you know? Or the next 15 years. Oh, my goodness. Glenn Faust was my seventh-grade science teacher, dude. Like, <laughs> I still see him at tournaments. And so, you know, it's and, and that's something I learned as a coach, too, is, like, I'm going to see these same dudes for a decade. <laughs> Exactly, man. But we don't want to take too much of your time. Um, we know that we're going to see a lot of you, but we know that you have a little girl there that wants to see a lot of your time, and she's giving you a big round of applause for the job you did here and the job you're doing for all of North Florida and wrestling in general, man. We appreciate you being on the show. Can't wait to see you and can't wait to have you back on. Um, man, love you. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. Say bye. We just want to give another thanks to Zane Turnipseed from the North Bay Haven Buccaneers. And we also want to give a thank to you, North Florida wrestling fans, for sticking with us. Um, it was a wonderful episode. We hope you really enjoyed it. We enjoy it. We always love catching up with the great Zane Turnipseed. We just want to let everybody know before he gets all that famous that he started out black and blue.